0: Hey everyone, my name is Pastor Dina and thank you so much for joining us for Northeast Christian Church Online Services. Please be sure to subscribe to NECC on all social media platforms to keep up to date with all that's going on here in our church. Also, if you would like to rewatch today's sermon, you can look us up on Spotify, YouTube, or Apple Podcast. Well, thank you and enjoy the rest of service.
1: Good morning, everyone. Just like you to know that I have not become one of the cheetah girls, but I'm, I'm officially wearing a Ghana three-piece suit. And I'm wearing this today in appreciation for every single one of you from Ghana, Liberia, Democratic Republic of Congo, Kenya, all over Africa. And from time to time, they give me these nice, wonderful suits. And I just want to say... I'm looking good with this thing on, and so I just, uh, I just want to say, I also want to say, hey Rebecca, Katie, she's all the way up in the in the balcony. Come down here real quick if you would. Just run though. You got to run, like if you, what? Oh, it's Sabrina. Wow, I can't even tell them apart anymore. I thought it was their mom, but I can't tell. We've got a card for here. Come on down here, Sabrina. Would you? Go ahead, run if you would. All right, cheer her on. Rena, Rena. You got to run, though. What is she doing? Is she walking? Here she comes. Just keep her alive. I just wanted everybody to know that you're my favorite Katie, and you can give this to your sister, and you have permission to go in her room when she's at college at UConn, and you can take that back to her if you would. Okay, give it up. I have no idea why I just did that. It was just impulsively wanting to do it. Um, This coming uh, Saturday is probably one of the best opportunities you will ever have with a chance for you and your spouse to connect with some of the most solid marriage coaches that I know personally. Tony and Susan Palo have been doing this for about 20 years now. He has his degree as a clinical counselor. We did this before COVID, and it was just absolutely awesome. But uh, I'm going to ask if, Pastor Dylan, if you would put this out somehow And this is just a chance to make this easy for you to sign you and your spouse up you know when you write down your spouse's name but you don't tell them you're going but uh i'm telling you every board member needs to be here every volunteer and their family needs to be here now i know some of you work on saturdays that's not possible but sitting home cutting the grass or doing pancakes with the kids you're going to miss a tremendous opportunity and so I'm just gonna have the, that float around this morning and encourage you to sign that, be there. Uh, I will be coming back from visiting my parents so that I'm here for that as well. And uh, Tony's one of my oldest standing friends that's still standing for, for Jesus and he's such a great, great friend. So um, I wanna introduce our guest speaker today, me. Uh, I got... I got a phone call last night at 10 o'clock. I was going back and forth with Pastor Tim, who is probably one of the greatest mentors in my life. I've had uh, several of them. Pat Manzo, who is the director of Teen Challenge New England. Uh, Him, Kurt Lang. And I just was like, Pastor Tim, it would be a great honor to have you here. And just yesterday, around like 9.30, his wife tested positive for COVID. And so I was like yes, because I really feel like I have a word from God for you. And really, if we're talking about pastor appreciation, what we're talking about is savior appreciation, right? We do what we do because he's done what he did for us. And so we're going to put the attention in the right direction. I also want to just reaffirm what was said by the board. My wife and I are fine. Uh, the, the board takes care of all of the team and it is considerate of all of their stages and phases of life, and we're trying to ante things up as they go and getting creative, but those boxes out there are gonna be there for the next two weeks. We'll have them for the next two weeks after, and this is a chance for you to bless them. You're kind of saying, well, what could I bless them with? Hey, a, a gifts card to, you know, a, a, a thank you note. Some of you don't have the means to give, please don't. None of them would want you to give something financially that you don't have the means to. Others of you have been blessed, and you'd be like, man, what would I want? I'd want a blank visa card so I could take somebody where I wanted to go. I mean, those are the kind of ways to bless them, but there is no box there. Please don't go out of your way and say, well, they didn't put a box for Pastor Paul, so I'm gonna slip something under his door. Please don't do that. Please bless this team because the reason that we are 320 people online and in person after COVID is because of great sacrifice that they made by my side and uh, i just want to give just a thank you clap to them and just say how much i love and appreciate you guys and dina dina right now is upstairs working with children she's working with the kids you know when samuel came to anoint the next king of israel david he had to go through all of the sons that were tripping over each other lining up like i'm going to be the next king god's i'm god's anointed and he was like none of these are the one that God chose. Where's your son David? And he said, David is in the field with the sheep. And I believe that that's sometimes where you find the greatest men and women of God is is that they're doing the work of God and you have to interrupt them to get message to them. And so she's up there. And and I tell you what, uh, she, along with Pastor Thomas, uh, along with uh, Pastor uh, Mary Evelyn Cesar, along with Pastor Dylan, these are people that make tremendous sacrifice for for bringing us the quality that we have here so I just want to say thank you and I want to share with you today a message that I've entitled called the cave of Adulam," the cave of Adulam, the place where greatness is made pray with me if you'd stand across this room let's do that unless of course you physically have a challenge please don't don't do that or you're over the age of 65 don't even 50, if you're over the age of 50. Don't Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, um, we didn't come here to hear a man, we came to hear from heaven, which means that your word you honor above your name. In other words, the authority of your word you honor above your reputation. You care less about your reputation and more about fulfilling your word. There's destiny in this room. There's greatness in this room. There's faith in this room, but there's fear, there's opposition, there's depression, there's difficulty. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name you would use this word to speak deep into the spirit of people about the greatness of what you wish to do through them and the potential of what you can do through them. If if they simply, and we simply allow your Holy Spirit to take the credit, you get our excellence, and you, you pour your spirit on it, and that's where supernatural things come from, Lord. So we give you our lives today, we give you our effort, we give you our excellence and our best, and then we ask that you bless it, because apart from you, we can do nothing. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. Well, Chag Um, Happy Tov Shavuot, which is Happy Pentecost, At right now in Israel, I'm frustrated in America because a friend of mine, I needed information from him and they've ghosted me for three days because the the feast of Pentecost is taking place. This is uh, not, when we talk about Pentecost, and we talk about the Pentecostal movement, it's a harvest. This is when they're gathering in wheat and grain, something that's in short supply in the world right now because of the war in Ukraine where so much of it comes from. But in Israel, this is when they gather in the harvest. And so when the Pentecostal movement began at the turn of the century in the, in the 1800s where God brought that movement to, to, the, to the Americas and the Holy Spirit began to move here like he had done in Europe and like he had done in other places around the world. And, and beginning on the day of Pentecost, In Acts chapter 2, they not only celebrated, the it was not only the celebration of the harvest, but it was also the celebration of the giving of the word of God. And if you look in the Old Testament, it's kind of interesting with the line of study that I do looking at Jewish studies as well as in looking at, at the writings of Judaism, the Mishnah, the Talmud, Midrash, all these different things, whenever you see a moment where a a, a rabbi is sitting in the presence of God and God's work spe- word speaks to him, you know what's interesting that comes with those stories? There's a flame of fire over their head. Now, doesn't it sound familiar? Because in the day of Pentecost, there were tongues of fire over them. And so in the same way that the Jewish people celebrated the giving of the law at Mount Sinai, and they are celebrating the giving of the harvest, which they bring back to God and they honor him with that, there's the, the, or the church began with that same fire and that same celebration. It happened right here in this time, in this part of the calendar. There aren't too many moments where I can say, this is the date when it happened. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit had fully fully come, there was a mighty rushing wind, this is the time where that happened. And now more than ever, we need the power of God's Spirit. We need the power of God's presence. And so, uh, not going completely in that direction, I wanna go in the direction that, that God put on my heart because it's very rare that it's often when you get a call late at night uh, that your speaker can't make it, you usually kind of freak out, and, um, and then you're kind of like, what am I going to do? And then uh, he had suggested calling a couple of people, and I'm like, yeah, no, I've, I've got this, you know? Uh, but I heard the song in my head, freak out. <laughs> I was like, okay, keep cool, just keep cool. The Cave of adulam. All right. Enough with the 70s references, sorry. Had my Motown happening. Uh, Pastor Thomas, I'm looking for slides and I don't see them anywhere, I'm so sorry. So as they do it until then, I'm gonna actually go with that, um, that whole disco motif and if you see me go like this, that just means turn to the next slide. I may even add a little bit of that in there. I might do a pirouette on point, um, but for some reason it's not in there. So we can, we'll just roll with it. We'll just roll with it, that's good. So think about David's life, Cave of Dullam. King David, we probably know him best from the, the battle of David and Goliath, right? He's got his brothers and, and his brothers are sitting at a field. One side is filled with the Philistines, the other side is filled with the Israelites. But each day out comes this gigantic warrior of a man. He looked like a Spartan. He looked like one of those guys from Gold's Gym. And and you look at him and you're like, sure, you're not using steroids. And he was just huge. He had a gigantic staff. He had a gigantic spear. He had armor all over him. He had a sword. And every day he would come out and he'd say, in classic Greek form, you send down your greatest warrior and the two of us will fight so that none of our people have to die here. And if I win, you become our slaves. And if you win, we'll become your slaves. And nobody from Israel budged. They were terrified. Why? But you'd be terrified too if you were looking at it through natural eyes. You'd say that is an impossible fight to win. And so all of a sudden David is sent on an errand with his dad. He says, Take take these this this cheese, take this bread, bring it to your brothers on the front line. He shows up because Bethlehem's about like 10 miles away from there. He goes down and he's there right in the Eel Valley, he gives it to his brother, and he and he's like, What what's going on? Who is this guy? And and David hears him mocking God. And David's like, Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Where's somebody gonna fight him? And one of his brothers, right, classic Older brother syndrome. It's always the little brother that feels tough, right? He's like, Who's this guy? And his oldest brother's like, We know you like a good fight. You just like talking, just be quiet. Give us the cheese and the bread and go back to mom and dad. But David can't handle it. And he says, That's it, I can't take it. And we we probably have heard the story before. David goes out against Goliath. Goliath sizes him up, laughs at him. David goes down and gets five smooth stones. And he shows up, and really the truth of the story of David and Goliath is it doesn't matter how big you are, do not show up to a gunfight with a knife. That was the gunfight. You know what's interesting? A little obscure verse in the book of Chronicles talks about the tribe of Benjamin, which King Saul was from. King Saul, being from Benjamin, since childhood would have been trained like every single one of their men to use the sling with both their left and their right hand. It shouldn't have been David on that field, it should have been Saul. You see, Saul had an insecurity and a self-confidence problem. In fact, when God was calling Saul, Samuel was looking for him to anoint him, the prophet, and he the Bible says he was hiding among the baggage. If God calls you to something, it's not going to rely simply upon you. It's going to be him taking your best effort and mixing them together to accomplish greatness. See, you can't, the anointing is not a free credit card that just does all the work. You and I need to bring excellence to God. And then God takes that excellence and he anoints it and powerful things happen when he partners with us. But... Sure enough, David gets called into the service of the king. And while he's in the service of the king, while he's there, he you can click, it's gonna be the same thing. He Saul becomes jealous of him. You can go back one, sorry. Thank you. He he becomes jealous of him. See, they they heard something else about David, they heard that he was a musician. And when he was playing his his harp, his lyre—it wouldn't have been a harp like as we know it, but you know, maybe more like a tiny guitar, a mandolin. You know, the lyre is kind of more like that. But he was a gifted musician, and he would he would sing songs. But there was something different about the songs that he sung. It, when he sung them, it was like the presence of God filled the room. How many of you could, with me, with appreciation of our worship team? Watch when they bring the very best that they have in their excellence to God and then God's spirit mixes with it and you come in this place and you're like, I don't know what I'm gonna do and then all of a sudden tears are falling and hands are raising and you're forgetting about your problem and you're focusing on God. That's the beauty of a worship team. That's the anointing of God, the presence of God filling something. And so David's called into service for Saul because his disobedience had consequence. And eventually he went from being the man that everybody looked at and said, he's the guy. He says that he was taller than everybody else. He was handsomer. He was more handsome than everybody else. And yet at the end of the day, he was nothing less than Gaston. And he goes crazy. And now he begins to throw spears at David to kill him. Now, I don't know about you, but usually when your boss says you're fired or we have to let you go, you pick up your stuff and you leave. But when you're in the service of a king, the king has to let you go. And so David keeps sticking around and he becomes an expert blade dodger. He'd just be in the middle singing a song and then all of a sudden a spear would fly and David would just go, whoa! Holy, 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 Lord! God Almighty. <laughs> I mean, he's doing all this kind of stuff. He's jumping, dodging, ditching. And he realizes, if I don't get out of here, I'm a dead man. And so he leaves. And he comes to a place called Adullam. I'd like to read this passage to you in 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 and 2. David departed there and escaped to the cave of Adulam. and when his brother and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. Oh my goodness. American families, we are so dysfunctional. In a time of despair and difficulty, we shouldn't be hanging up on, refusing to talk to, or avoiding family, we should all be going to them. How about the next time you hear about a difficulty that's going on in your family situation, you suspend judgment, and you drive there. David's whole family shows up his his tri- and I mean like this is in a small group but then listen to who else shows up. Everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him and he came and he became commander over them and there were with him about 400 men. Doesn't that sound like an awesome group of company? I'm so bitter. Heard you were here. Just the kind of people you want around you, right? Man, I just declared bankruptcy and ding-dong ditch. I'm going to (laughs) reboot. Hi, David. Be my king. But what's interesting about this is that when the plan of God crashes, when your dream becomes a nightmare, don't think for a moment that God's not in it because God uses the cave of Adullam. Now, I, I'm not gonna try and give you the meaning of that name. I did a little bit of language search on it, and it's a little bit too obscure for me. Like, I could go in a couple directions and preach real good, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be fair for me to do this book to try and make it preach good. I'm Not gonna do it because I can't figure it out in the original language, but there is a word that I can tell you, and it's found actually in the book of 2nd Samuel 23. And I'd like to read that to you. I'm not going to turn to it yet. 2nd Samuel 23. Talking about the cave of Adullam. Verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had stop right there i'm going to just go until we bring it back one here it is that word mighty men and you know sometimes i i tell you we're not we're not up here like saying we'll say it in greek and syriac and hebrew and aramaic and arabic to impress you but We always say that when there's something in the language that means something that's important, we'll give attention to it. And this is a word worth noting. These are the mighty men, the gibor, or in Hebrew, plurally, it'd be the giborim of David. Mighty men and mighty women of God. David was not just surrounded by people in debt and distress, but he was surrounded by people that God brought to him that had greatness within them, that had potential within them, that brought women and men and people around him, youth and young adults and older men, all groups of people that David in his distress, they came and they started their journey in this little cave, and years later, they become the mighty men and the mighty women of God. And that word gibbereen literally means a mighty man, a mighty woman, the picture is is that there's an army facing another army with insurmountable odds. There's no way of dividing the enemy. Nobody can seem to do it. And then one single woman, one single man, walks up to the front of that line and hits it, bam, and pushes through and makes a breach in the enemy's wall, and all of the other people rush through and conquer them. And what God was looking for when David moved was he was looking into the future of people that would become the mighty men and the mighty women of God. And you may find yourself right now in a season where you may be in debt, you may be in distress, you may be in depression, you may be in despair, you may be in a cave, you may feel alone, you may be ostracized, but I'm saying to you right here, right now, you are a mighty man and a mighty woman of God, and if you would get off, off out of that cave and begin to give your excellence to God, God will mix his excellence and his presence with it, and you will change the world around you. That's almost too big, let me pull that back, let me reel that back in, God will change. No, you will change your family. You will change the life of that wayward son that keeps relapsing in addiction. You will break through the wall of addiction in your life. If you will give God your excellence and if you will give God your life and you will let him be Lord and you stop taking that place and you let him be your God and you stop saying my way and you start saying, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my life, and you begin to do that, you will break through that wall of depression. You will break through that wall of addiction. You will break through that wall of opposition. You will break through that situation if you give God Your excellence. That's what a mighty man and a mighty woman of God is, a Gibor, a Gibor. And they list off these men and women of God. Thank you for being right on spot. Here goes the first one here. His name is Joshev. I know it has a B there, but it's actually pronounced Joshev Bashev Bashebeth, actually. Joshev Bashebeth. And it says, These are the names of the Giborim, the mighty men whom David had. Jov, Basshev Beth, uh, termite. He was chief of the three, so this is the best of the best of the best. It says that he wielded a spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. Maybe he was the one that showed up that was bitter. So sick and tired of life. David's like, "You come to the right place. <laughs> I'm I'm just, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm I'm just, I'm tired of things remaining the same. I'm sick and tired of the excuses. I can't stand the setbacks. I can't take it anymore. And then all of a sudden, just in that cave, he picked up a spear and he started practicing. And practicing. And went to battle after battle after battle. And this man, what's cool about his name is that it means simply to take a seat because he changes the trajectory of his enemy. What's interesting is is that part of his name has that word Sabbath in it. And so what this man does is he shows up and he says, I'm going to end this war all by myself, and then when it's over, I'm gonna sit down because there will be no enemy left. And one day he comes out and he sees that there's an enemy that's there, they're outnumbered, and he's outnumbered himself eight. Listen, listen, how much? I don't want to exaggerate it. 800 of the enemy, 800 people now. I don't know if you knew this, but Pastor Kevin's been going to the, to the gym. And he's been boxing. Sit. I just dare you when you go home today, I just want you to just shadow box, right? Just just do an, a jab, which is all just basically extending your elbow. Just do that 300 times. This man is ramming people through. I don't know if he said, i, I got to speed this thing up. Three. Three guys there. Five. This guy kills... 800 people. I don't think that this is a lie. I don't think that this is an exaggeration. I don't think that this is a a, a scribal gloss or anything like that. I believe this man went out, he had spent his life being sick and tired of being the victim of depression, being the victim of the enemy, tired of having things taken, tired of having things stolen, tired of just rolling over and saying, well, you know, that's just life. And he just said, I'm sick and tired of this. I don't care how many I have to kill. I don't care how many are coming. I'm going to end this once and for all because when I'm done with this, it's done, and then I'm going to take a seat. And I... There are some of us in here that have been so sick and tired of being sick and tired, I say that God is telling some of you it's time that you pick up your weapon and you stop doing the job halfway and you do it completely. For those of you struggling with addiction, no more halfway houses, please. Those of you struggling with marriage problems, no half-resolving your disputes. Those of you with kid problems, no halfway passive-aggressive solutions. Those of you with money problems, no half-budgets. Completely and totally eliminate the enemy so that when it's over, you just say, I'm just going to take a seat because there's nothing that's coming up behind me. I killed it all. Listen, He started in the cave of adulam. I don't care where you're at. I don't care how sad your story is. I don't care how great your setbacks are. We serve a God who makes the impossible possible. And, and he's looking for that in your life. He's just, he, yeah, I don't know. I just think of this guy, and this was the phrase that just came to my mind: was uh, he's a guy that says that zeal's ignore the odds. As a person, like you, just don't get out there and say, "All right, I've been practicing. I'm gonna." It's like you get an anger inside of you. So I just, I don't. I'm sick of this. Zeal ignores the odds. You know what? If you're going to live a life of faith, if you're going to live a life, if you're going to become a mighty man and a mighty woman of God, and not just a mighty singer or a mighty, uh, a mighty Sunday worshiper, but a person that God has so overtaken your life that it's taking every part of your life, that you can't think, uh, do, plan, anything without him being central to that. So much so that if God's Will says, I know you want this, but this is, this is what I want and need and write and say in my word is for your life. You're willing to say no to you and yes to him. If you're gonna become that mighty man, that mighty woman of God, you're gonna to have to get beyond looking at the odds and looking at the setbacks, and you're just gonna to have to start swinging. Because God is looking for, I don't even wanna say his name again, Joseph Bathshebeth. And he could be here. She could be here. You could be that woman. You could be that mighty man of God. That's what God's looking for. Then there's another guy, Eliezer. I love his name. The one who God helps. In other words, this man, when, when we read about him in a second, you're gonna say, oh my goodness. Have you ever watched somebody so great at their craft and their skill? You just like, um, who, who is the blind uh, opera singer? What is his name, Andrea? Yeah, you, got, you, you all know him, right? I listen to that guy and I'm like, what? Just angelic. Like, just amazing. Have you ever watched a craftsman create something and you're like, how in the world do you do it? I can't even change a light bulb. Eliezer was an incredible Fighter, before he was a fighter, though. He was a companion in the cave of Adullam. He started where you are. He started where you were. You're no different than any of these people. And what I love about this guy is his story. Look at this. It says, and next to him among the three mighty men was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. Now, don't make fun of him for that last name because uh, he's also the son of Ahoyhai. He was with David when they defiled the Philistines and were gathering there for battle and the men of Israel withdrew. Well, what in the world are they referring to? It's right here in First Chronicles chapter 11, 13 and 14. He was with David at Pasdamim when the Philistines were gathered there for battle and there was a plot of ground full of barley And the men fled uh, from the Philistines, but he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and killed the Philistines, and the Lord saved them by a great victory. In other words, everybody, again, another scenario where they're outnumbered and another situation where the enemy's overtaking their life, taking their property, and he says, enough is enough. Either I die or they die, and he takes his stand in that plot. Not only that, but going back to 2 Samuel 23, he says this, He rose and he struck down the Philistine until his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the men returned after him only to strip the slain. So this guy basically grabbed his sword Held on to it, swung it, and by the time the day was over, he couldn't let go of it. You know what I have? I've, I've come to realize is writing cards are difficult because I'm so used to typing. Now I get through three cards and I start getting a cramp in my hand. <laughs> right? This guy picks up his sword and he's just swinging and he's swinging and he's swinging and he's swinging and he's swinging and and everybody's showing up, but none of them get the credit for this because he killed everybody himself. He's just nuts. Not only that, but there's another guy, another swordsman, that's right next to Eliezer too, and his name is called Shammah, and you can jump right forward to him. Shema, thank you, you're doing a great job up there. Shammah. Now, the thing I love about Shema is his name. You know what his name means? Loss, desolation. Shammah. What? <laughs> Whose names these people my wife said? <laughs> Everyone's got a mom that loves them. <laughs> Shema, Losh, desolation, right? This is, this is the crazy thing. His very name is a setback. Who spoke over your life? And said, Loss. Who spoke over your life? and said, desolation. It's like Jabez in the Old Testament, right? Jabez means pain, and he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, bless me, expand my tent pegs, bless me indeed, because he was so stuck in the name that he had given. He'd been given by his mother who delivered him in pain and said he's gonna be a pain his whole life. How about that for a name? This guy has lost desolation. What are the names that people have spoken over your life? Abused, addicted, depressed, weak, insufficient. See, if you live your life from the disposition of what the outside looking in says about you, you will never experience what it is to have the excellence that God has placed within you mix with the anointing of God's presence and kill 800 in a single battle. Mentally ill, mentally challenged, handicapped, autistic, Stupid, abandoned. We could sit here all day until I hit one that hits you. A failure, a moral failure, a human error, an accident. It does not matter what men say about you and what men say to you. What matters is is that you understand that all that God asks is for you to give the very best that you have to offer. And just a word of note here your excellence ain't as excellent as you think it is. And then for others of us, we need to hear that your excellence may not feel like a lot, but it's enough. Because it's not our excellence that does great things for God. It's not just excellence that makes a mighty man and a mighty woman of God, it is a God of excellence that makes us excellent people. It is a mighty God that makes us mighty men and mighty women. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how many times you were abused. It doesn't matter how many labels were placed on you. My sin and my pain and my scars do not define me. Otherwise, Jesus would simply always be the buried one. He's not called the buried one. Sometimes he's referred to as the crucified one past tense, but he is always referred to in the present tense as the resurrected one and jesus resurrected so that you and i can resurrect some of us here are in the cave of Adulam, and we're on the cross of our affliction and god saying it's time for you to get up and live the resurrected life it's time for you to pick up the weapon and the tools that i've put in your hands and it's time for you to fight the fight that i've called you to Next to him was Shema the son of Agi, the Harahite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, when not Lehi clinic, right? Where they were where there was a plot of ground full of lentils. And the men fled from the Philistines, but he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines. And the Lord worked a great victory. What God is saying to some of you, and I don't even want to say some of you, to all of us is it is time for you to stand your ground. It's time for you to stand for what you believe in. It's time for you to stand for morality. It's time for you to stand for faith. It's time for you to stand for God until he changes the situation, to take a battle, and you might have to swing it till you're stuck to it but it's time to pick up his word. It's time to pick up that sword. It's time to pick up prayer. It's time to pick up talking to God. It's time to fight and begin to talk to hell and say hands off. It's time for you to begin to speak and let God speak faith into your life. One of my favorite sword stories is the story of the 37 Ronin or the 30, they say 37 assassins. These were all samurai, took place in Japan. I wanna say Sam, it was like the 1300s, 1200s, 13? 13 what? The 13 assassins they're referred to as. Many of them, all of them were, were predominantly, except for one, were all samurai or former samurai. And there was a man that was in charge of—he was in—he char- was in charge of the, um, the the government that was there. It was called the shogun. Many of you grew up in—if you—if you're age 40 or older, you—you you, when I say shogun, you're like, oh yeah, that series that ran on TV. But Hirayama was one of the the great swordsmen that was there. And he knew there would come a point where he would have to fight. And so, right. Their decision was is they had to kill this councilman, go- this, this shogun that was going to take to the council because he wanted to take everyone into war. He wanted to throw them into conflict. He wanted to throw them into despair. He was a, he was a twisted individual. He used to bring people into his, into his house and shoot arrows at them just for fun. He would cut off the arms and legs of people just for the mockery of it. One woman, one woman was left, and all she could do to communicate with these these show with these uh, with these samurai were were was a, a, a literally a, a marker in her mouth, a paintbrush in her mouth, and she as she told the story of what happened to her because of this twisted individual. And they said, we have to restore honor to our country. We have to take we have to take out this man and make sure that he doesn't become part of the shogun and take us into war. And so Hirayama, in the samurai custom, for you to open up your sword, if you open it up like this, this is a clear statement that's basically saying, I'm gonna show you that I'm not your friend, I'm your opponent and I'm your enemy and my intention is to kill you. And Hirayama, all through that entire alley where they were coming towards him, his post that was there, he had preset hundreds of swords. So that as he took it out and he, he hit somebody and it got stuck, he was able to grab the next one and bring it out. And he just hacked through and cut through and literally, like, true story. I read the stories in the Bible. This man, I think it was 300 men that he took out because he was that excellent of a warrior. And I think if there's anything I'm trying to get across here today, is this, it's that, let me put this away so that none of you think I like freak out and run through. Pastor goes crazy in Northeast Christian Church, (laughs) swings through the crowd of congregants on Pastor Appreciation Day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna show off with it or anything like that. In the middle of World War II, Winston Churchill There's a a great film that's out on him. I forget the title of it now, but it really doesn't show the full story of this man. He was just crazy courageous. He was a terrible peacetime leader, but man, this guy was a great wartime leader. You want to see what a good wartime leader looks like? He is one of them. He just had a comeback for everything. In the middle of bombings, he was trying to show the people of London that they didn't need to be afraid of Hitler, and so he would go up on the top of the building and hang out in the middle of the bombings to say, we don't need to be afraid But at one point, all of Europe had fallen, and France was gone, Belgium was overrun, Holland was in in control of the Nazis. It seemed like nobody could stop them. All that was left was England. Everybody's saying, we should look for peace with them. We, we, we should look for peace. And he's like, absolutely not. This man doesn't want peace. He made peace with, with Poland, he made, and he, he overran them. He made peace with France, and he overran them. This man doesn't want peace. He wants to conquer. And he got up, and he gave a famous speech in Parliament, and he gave it over the radio, where he said, never to ever give up. He said, we'll fight them on the land. We'll fight them on the sea. We'll fight them here. We'll fight them there. He said, never, ever, ever ever give up and I some of you need to hear this maybe you've never had a father speak into your life can I take that voice for just a minute maybe you haven't had a father that that's was trying to speak courage into your life maybe 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 you did have that could I just speak into your life as a pastor and say never ever ever give up don't quit don't stop don't lay down your sword. Be the person that's like these men of God that picked up their weapon and fought the fight until it was completely done. And then be like Joshebeth, whatever his name is, and take a seat because you completely fought with excellence. See, God's looking for mighty men. He's looking for mighty women. I got one other guy here. Yeah, I gotta do it just for the sake of it. Last guy here is Benaniah, Benaniah. It says of Benaniah this, and it's found in the book of 2 Samuel 23, 20. It says, Benaniah, the son of Jehoadiah, was a great and valiant man of Kabziel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two aerials, that that word actually means heroes. He struck down two heroes of Moab. He also went and struck down a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Now, when you think about pit, you kind of get the picture of, uh, you can go back one real quick. This is kind of how one artist depicted it, you know, pit. But that isn't what the pit was. How many of you were with me in Israel recently? Just wave your hand. You're about to see the value of that pit we went into. Watch, skip forward two. You are looking at the pit. Go forward one more. Oh, never mind. You can go back to that last one. It actually is the word for cistern. It's the word for cistern. See, the lion went down into this underground pit where they would catch rainwater, and he was down there licking up water. David and his men have several hundred troops, all pretty much dying of thirst, because that's the way it is. And the only way that they're gonna get that water is as if somebody kills that lion. How how many of you from Africa ever hear a lion roar? See, in America, we have no idea. You could hear a lion roaring from miles away and you feel it in your chest. It's the most terrifying animal on the place, face of the earth. The bears are kind of like cuddly compared to them. They're ferocious. And this is, this is kind of what I see with this man. He, nobody's gonna get a drink. And in that part of the world, if you get no water, you die of thirst. They're in battle, they're, they're totally thirsty. So what does he do? I got this. He jumps into the cistern. A cistern can be sometimes as big as this room right here. It could be about maybe a quarter of the size of this room, but it's hollowed out from rock, which means that once you go in, you're not getting out unless you win. And this guy, everybody's sitting there saying, what in the world are we going to do? We need water. And he says, I got this. If you wanna be a mighty man and a mighty woman of God, you need to begin to consider the things and the victories that other people need. And you need to begin to be the one willing to fight that fight for them. If he never jumped in and killed the lion, nobody would've gotten drink. I don't know, David had a good lineup of guys. Maybe one of the other ones could have done it. But he jumps in there and he kills it. I believe a man and a woman of God are not just simply consumed with their life, their priorities, their purposes, their plans, their dreams, their goals, but they actually have an eye for what others need. And they say, that person can't do it. I'm going to do it for them. My goodness, can I speak to the the, the boys and men clothing here today? Can I just say the world doesn't need another punk and another pervert? I love a a, a line that I read recently. I think it was actually put online by uh, Ruth LeGrow. It said, a woman wants to feel protected like a daughter, loved like a wife, and respected like a mother. And you find the third one when you're in marriage is the one that you, you have to work at. I'm just making a little confession. But we were called to be defenders. And if you want to be a mighty man and a mighty woman of God, it's time that you begin to step up and step out and be a defender. I, I my my wife has the most guts in our household. I, I mean this. I'm not going to tell an embarrassing story, honey. I promise. I'm not going to put you a highlight or anything like that. But, but you got to understand. I always find myself in the middle where a lady is getting, uh, in con- where a lady's in conflict, and then I have to jump in and do something. But it's usually like for me, I actually will take insults. I might even take a hit. Like I'll take a hit and let it roll because I don't. I'm I'm just not like egotistical in that sense of like I have to have the upper hand. I need to you know be the man or whatever. But I'll never forget, we were on Block Island and there was a kid and he's sitting there and there's this woman that's like, this girl, his girlfriend's right there and he's screaming at her, he like shoves her shoulder, he kicks the car, he punches the car, he's yelling at her and all of a sudden my wife goes nuts. She's like, hey, what do you think you're doing? And I'm, I have to be honest, right? I have to be honest. I kind of grabbed my wife and I'm like, honey, don't, don't do it, Don't, don't sound like, it's okay, and she, she's like... She, like, pushes my hand off and goes, I'm dramatizing a little bit. It's like, what do you think you're doing? What are you doing? My wife's yelling, and he's like, oh, you know, and then he goes into, like, this is what any abuser does, right? Then he gets into, like, I'm not hurting her. We don't have that kind of relationship. Yeah, sure you don't, right? And so that's when all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I need to do something, because my wife's going to kill him if I don't. <laughs> <clears throat> so I push, I, 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 I I don't want to say I pushed you, but I moved my wife over. She's still yelling at him. And let let me tell you what. My wife starts yelling at you, you will be terrified. You'd rather just beat me and get it over with. And so I kind of move her over. I kind of just turn. I look at him. I see what I'm dealing with with him. And I look at her, and I just say to her, do you want to go home with him? And he's like, it's not a problem. It's just I said, please be quiet. I'm not talking to you. Do you want to go home with him? And she slips into that typical dysfunction in an abusive relationship. Well, you know, he—he's he, not really. Uh, and I, I, my, my wife's like, why are you doing?" She's still going on. Finally, after talking it through, um, she was just like, "It's okay. He simmers down. I'm—I'm I'm not going to see them." But I'm like, "How many people walk by stuff like that?" I mean, I'm not like looking to jump in a fight or anything like that, but I'll fight the fight that has to be fought if it's something that's, if some, listen, you know what a man and a woman of God does? They're willing to fight the fight that somebody can't to help them. And they have zeal and ignore the odds. And they say, it's not a question of if I should or shouldn't, if I'll win or if I'll lose. It's a question of is it right or is it wrong? And I act upon it. Because if you will step out and give God excellence, God will anoint that with his presence and you will see God do mighty things. Now, I'm not talking about breaking up domestic squabbles and all that kind of thing. I'm talking about seeing depression broken through in your life. I'm talking about watching watching uh, your, your, your dysfunctional family begin to become functional because you just keep swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging at the dysfunction until eventually God gives you victory. Do you know what a victor is? Do you know what a winner is? A winner is, it's so simple. It's so simple. A winner is just one person that got up one more time than the other person. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Start praying. Don't set down God's word. Start reading it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm going to ask Ethan to come up here as we close this out. First Chronicles 11.23, I love it. It says that he also struck down an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits tall. The Egyptian had in his hand a spear like a weaver's beam. And Benaniah went down to him he, with the staff and snatched the spear out of his hand, out of the hand of the Egyptian and killed him with it. I call that take the stick out of the devil's hand and beat him with it. These guys, the things that they did, going down into pits on snowy days where lions are, fighting the fight for somebody else because they can't, but they can. Fighting the fight and not taking a seat until it was completely and totally done and won. Every single one of them started in that in that cave. It's only natural, right, when you're young to think what your life is going to be like. But the truth is, is, is that life has setbacks, even when you have forward steps. Look at this. There's one moment in David's life here after this chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 30. See, we think that bliss and happiness is where we reach a place where all of our problems go away. We have a white picket fence, two and a half kids, a dog. Our bills are paid. We've listened to Dave Ramsey. Our 401K is gaining momentum. But you can lose that all in the snap of a finger. And I I, I kid you not, the next two years have me concerned for us as a nation and for us as a community, uh, financially, of of where our economy is. But it says this, that after these great victories, it says, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. What? Here's what happened. These people that fought by his side, Benaniah, Eliezer, Shammah, their friends, their families, their clans. They went out on a raid with David and they came back and they found out that the enemy came in and had taken everything, all of the money, all of the children, all of the women, slaves, carried them off, everything's burning and David's sitting there saying, oh my gosh. And David wasn't thinking just with everybody, he was, he was like, you know, every, look at, we just lost everything but he was also saying, where's my wife? He was having the same pain that everybody else was. Where are my children? Forget my stuff, where's my family? And it says that at that one moment of despair, they said, let's pick up stones and kill them. This is David's fault. Each of his sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. And David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Elimelech, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. See, what's happening here is this. So that it doesn't matter what happened and what successes and battles you won yesterday. There's always another battle and challenge and enemy and person in need tomorrow. And while we have rest and we have success, we'll still have setbacks. And David, after... Mounting up the mighty men of God, like Hebrews 13 in there, he turns around and in one moment, he loses everything. Maybe you're looking at your Christian walk and you're saying, man, I've tried Jesus for a long time here, but I'm not better off. Jesus didn't promise to take the problems out of life. What he said was, take heart, I've overcome this world. See, if you go through this life thinking that this life is the point, you miss the point completely, no matter how well you sing the songs. You were made to be a mighty man and a mighty woman of God. And the way that you become that mighty man and that mighty woman of God is one simple word that is so missing in the church, and it's called faith. John 5 4 says, Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith. Faith is that thing that Jesus said, if you have it the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. It says in Hebrews 11, that the people that are in that faith of chapter, it says that through faith they conquered kingdoms, they enforced justice, they obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions, they quenched the power of fire, they escaped the edge of the sword, They were made strong, listen to this, they were made strong out of weakness and became mighty in war. Northeast Christian Church, Lowell Assembly of God, people online and people here, listen to that phrase and don't miss it. We're made strong out of weakness and became mighty in war. I don't care how weak you feel you are right now, you serve a mighty God. And the the mighty man and the mighty woman that he is calling you to be, the mighty comes from him. If you're willing to fight, if you're willing to take your stand, if you're willing to swing until you can't swing anymore, and then if you're willing to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves, if you're willing to fight someone else's battle because you know they can't win it, but you know that you can bring the breakthrough and the victory, in their life if you stepped in and I ask you to stand as we pray here as we close off my prayer for you is that you would remove the word mighty from that and you would say God I am but a man I am but a woman but if I allow you access to me that'll make me a mighty man and a mighty woman some of you have a battle to fight some of you used to hold the word of god and you haven't picked it up in ages and you think you think you're fine for it but there is a cave of a moment coming there's a spear of saul there's always going to be a zigzag. there's always going to be a problem and it's in those moments where you recognize oh my gosh what how did i get this far away Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, I feel so far away from God. God's gonna close that distance for you right here, right now. I wanna pray for you and close this off. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would put victory in the hearts and lives of your people. Lord, I thank you that you're not a fantasy. You are the reality of this life. You say that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, That is what saves us. Lord, I believe that if you conquer death, then you can conquer everything that comes against our lives. If we would just pick up our faith and allow you to take hold of our excellence and that you would pour in your spirit that we would see 800 fall with a spear we would see 300 drop with a sword we would see lions killed in pits on snowy days when all the odds are against us Lord what changes it what makes it is faith it's faith Jesus said this in the gospels keep your eyes closed but just hear this I just really believe that this is This is for many of you here. Jesus, at one point, he's talking to the disciples and he says, yep, yep, yep. But my question is this, when the son of man returns, will he find faith? Some of you it's not your Bible reading or your prayers and it's not your it's not your hopes or your dreams It's not your efforts or or your endeavors that are failing. What's failing is your faith Remember the one in whom you have placed your faith. He created the stars. He moves the heavens He created this world. The devil is not his competition. The devil is not his adversary He is his pawn in his plan and many of you, you've held on to your Christian practices, but you have let go of faith, and God is calling you to renew a grip on the sword of faith. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, I just feel the need to just pray. Lord, we, across this room, we say, Lord, fill our hearts with faith again. Fill us with, Lord, not just with courage, but with faith. Lord, courage stands in the battle, but it curls back when it has a loss. But faith moves forward and is confident that the outcome will be victory. Lord, it's confident that the one that we put our faith in, that we're not the fool, that Lord, that, that in this life, while people might intellectually call us idiots, that might look at us and, and philosophically try to, to denounce or devalue us, Lord, that the faith that will stand when we stand before you, when the world is judged, Lord, you will say, well done now, good and faithful servant. We have known and we realize in whom we have placed our faith and we trust you with our life. We trust you with our dreams. Lord, we give you our life here today. And we just say, Father, make us mighty men and mighty women of God. In Jesus' name.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for service today. To rewatch today's sermon, you can search for it on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcast. And again, to keep up with all that's going on here at the church, you can go on lowlyg.org or ne-cc.org. Thank you again and have a great day.